Today, uh, what is it, the 27th of September, a couple of days after my birthday and what a birthday present it was. So we had, of course, Christine Blasey Ford coming in to testify uh, in front of the Senate, in front of this committee about the allegations that she's made and other people have made against one judge, Brett Kavanaugh, who is, of course, up for a supreme uh, a seat on the SCOTUS, right? So, man, oh man, it started just wildly. So this is kind of the story that Christine Blasey Ford had. And, you know, this is some notes, some memory and so on. It may not be perfect, but this is what I got. So she was swimming at a country club, and then she went to a party. She hoped that the party would go into or grow into something bigger. So she'd been swimming all day, and she has, of course, a wet bathing suit on, we assume, right? Because she went from swimming and diving to this party. Now, she said that the party was near the country club. She goes to the party, and she goes there with another a woman, a girl. I guess they're 15 years old, right? So they're girls. So she went there with a girl. There was uh, a judge and and Kavanaugh. I know it's confusing because Kavanaugh is now a judge, but you know you know what I'm saying. There was Judge and Kavanaugh, and what happened was uh, there's some drinking. She said she had one beer, but she said uh, Judge and Kavanaugh were already drunk by the time that they got there. She went up to use the bathroom. She goes up the stairs, and why she didn't go to the bathroom on the main floor is confusing to me because it's a ritzy neighborhood. These are expensive houses, and you have. I've never been to a house that's, you know, even remotely ritzy that doesn't have a bathroom on the main floor. But anyway, she went upstairs, and the odd thing about it, I mean, there's a lot that's odd about it, but the odd thing about it is that she hears music playing in the bedroom, right? So upstairs, there's a bedroom door, and then opposite is a uh, bathroom door. There's music playing. Now, can you imagine? I've been to a bunch of parties in my life. Can you imagine, like, we're at a party, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to get some music. I'm going to get some music. I'm going to get some tunes. We're going to get this place jumping. We're going to get people in the groove, man. And so, um, and you're like, yeah, man, put on some music. And I say, okay. <laughs> then you come back, and you, I come back, you can't hear any music. And I say, and you say, well, where's the music? And I said, well, you wanted music for the party. So I went upstairs, and I turned the radio on in the bedroom. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to be to laugh. But it's not credible. So anyway, there's music going on in the bedroom upstairs. So she gets up to the top of the stairs and she says that Judge and Kavanaugh crash into her and basically push her into the bedroom. And I think she said that they locked the door uh, and then she's uh, on the bed. Then, you know, Kavanaugh, according to her story, is all over her, trying to take off her her, her clothes. But he's having trouble, right, because he's really drunk. And she says she's looking at this judge guy, and he's kind of ambivalent about it, like some, sometimes sometimes egging him on, Kavanaugh, and sometimes saying, no, maybe this is not a good idea. And then what happens is judge jumps on the bed, knocking, I guess, everyone off the bed. And then she, in the chaos, she gets up, she runs out. Now, she never said how she unlocked the door. And that's not as simple as it sounds. Was it a key lock? Did they have the key? Was it one of those push and turn ones? Was it one of those ones that has the little half dial in the handle? Uh, sometimes the doors are locked with like stuff at the top that goes straight into the roof and all that. Anyway, she gets out, she runs across and she locks herself in the bathroom. And then she hears Judge and Kavanaugh going down the stairs. And they're laughing at her, like, I don't know, like Bond villains or something. And there was this kind of weird moment in the testimony. The whole setup was ridiculous because you had this one woman who was an expert in interviewing people with regards to sexual assault cases, and she wasn't given much time at all. Really annoying. She wasn't given much time 
at all, there was huge amounts of grandstanding from these Waffle Burger politicians on both sides of the aisle. And then this woman was just allowed a little bit of time to ask a few questions. She was given five minutes at a time. And when she asked those questions, what happened was, when it took a while for Blasey Ford to check her notes, to confer with her lawyers, to do this, that, that time, like the clock wasn't put, wasn't put on hold. So if you've got five minutes to ask questions and three of those minutes are spent with her checking her notes, going er and um and using her, like deploying her vast interstellar fleet of vocal fries, that time gets deducted. So you basically end up with almost no questions being asked, which is really um, <laughs> a little bit annoying. I'm like, can we just clear the room? I want a camera. I want the woman interviewing her who's the expert and I want Blazy Ford. That's it. Everybody else, clear the room. That's all I wanted. So then she says she hid in the bathroom for a while. Then she went down the stairs and left. And the big detail that came out, maybe it had come out before, but the one that I saw today that was interesting was Blasey Ford said, well, because they said, you know, you're 15, you can't drive. It's a long way. They had a map and all that. And Blasey Ford said someone drove her to slash from the party. That's pretty wild. It's a, again, maybe it's a detail that came up before. It's kind of new to me. So someone drove her to the party. What does that mean? Well, it means that she had to have someone pick her up and drive her from the house of near rape or whatever, right? Now, just think about this as a whole. You go, like, imagine you're a 15-year-old girl. You know, we all have our hobbies. This obviously would be one of mine on a fairly repetitive basis. So imagine you're a 15-year-old girl. You go to a party with your best, your bestie, right? Your best friend. And your best friend happens to be Christine Blasey Ford. Now, Christine Blasey Ford has a beer and she says, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So she goes up the stairs and, you know, you know, when people are, oh, I'll be right back if it takes a while. So you notice that she's gone. So she goes up the stairs and then two Boys, I guess they would be 17 or so, Kavanaugh and Judge, they go up the stairs, right? And that would be kind of odd, right? And then you hear the music crank up loud. Well, you hear a door being slammed shut. Then you hear the music being cranked up loud. Then you may or may not hear some sort of muffled cries or something like that. And then you hear a giant crash because they all went tumbling off the bed. So you got Judge, you got Kavanaugh, you got Blasey Ford in a big pile jumping down or crashing down off the bed, which is going to create a big bang, a big loud, right? And your friend has been gone for quite a while at this point. And then the two boys come down the stairs and your friend is nowhere to be seen. She hides up there for some additional period of time. At some point, you ever wonder where your friend is? Do you go check on her? Do you go see what she's up to, what she's doing? I don't know. Didn't seem to happen. So then Blasey Ford said that she heard them having conversations down the stairs. And then when she was questioned, she said, well, I didn't really hear the conversation. And then the woman said, well, did you hear the content or was there a conversation at all? She said, I didn't even hear a conversation. And boom, there you have a problem in the testimony as a whole. So then the story is that Blasey Ford comes down and flees the house with at least two potential rapists in the house. She just Flees the house. Mm. That's cold. Because your best friend is still in the house with the rapey boys. Shouldn't you say to your friend, hey, 
let's leave, or I want to go, or I'm upset, or I have a headache, or I have a stomachache, or I was almost raped and I want to leave, right? Wouldn't you say to your friend, you're just like, no, I'm out of here. And, and you just leave. And your friend does what? Just hangs out. Just, I mean, the coldness around all these women and their accusers. Because this is something I look for when I'm looking at somebody and trying to figure out whether there's truth in what they say in the absence of evidence, uh, clear evidence. So what I look for is some sense of guilt regarding what other people, uh, what's happened as a result of your inaction. So the fact that Blasey Ford didn't tell anyone, didn't inform anyone, didn't go to the cops, didn't tell a teacher, didn't tell parents, didn't tell friends, anything like that. Now, she's no problem talking about it, you see, along later, but she didn't do that. Now, if she believes the accusers that came after, right, the, the, the woman who says that, that uh, Kavanaugh exposed herself at a, some sort of frat party, the other woman who says that there were these, you know, uh, more than 100 rape parties uh, going on over a couple of year period, I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. Wouldn't you feel a sense of guilt, like if you didn't act to prevent Kavanaugh and, and judge the horrific rapist twins or whatever? then you're kind of complicit in all of the women who got abused afterwards because you didn't do anything. I kind of look for that because that indicates a sensitivity, a conscience, a moral core, a moral center, you name it. I kind of look for that. And there was no evidence of that whatsoever. I mean, Blasey Ford was, you know, giggling a little, laughing a little, smiling a little, and, you know, maybe it's nervousness, but it wasn't like Kavanaugh wasn't nervous and he sure as hell wasn't doing any of that kind of stuff. So. I found this kind of stuff a problem. Now, the numbers also changed regarding the number of people who were claimed to be at this party, and I won't get into all of the details, but uh, it is uh, a number that changes, and that seems kind of significant because Blasey Ford says that she is 100%, 100% certain that it was Kavanaugh and Judge in that room, and there's a legal idea that I don't remember the Latin, it's a legal idea that comes up, which says, if you're false in one thing, you're false in everything. In other words, if you have a story that rests entirely upon the honor and integrity and believability of your word, if you have that, if everything hinges on your believability, the moment you're wrong about one thing, the whole thing evaporates. Now, that's not the case if you have physical evidence and all of that. But if it's a he said, she said, the moment you're wrong about something, the moment you get something wrong, the moment that you contradict yourself, the whole thing goes up in, um, in smoke. And that to me. Now, here's the question, too, which comes up a lot. And this white knighting was a little, oh, well, Cory Booker is Cory Booker. But this kind of white knighting oh, was really horrible to see because the white knighting was, are you saying that... Christine Blasey Ford is a liar. And then what are you going to say? Oh, yeah, she's a liar. It's like, well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Because, see, being a liar is mind reading and is irrelevant. To, to, like, philosophically, it's irrelevant. The question is not, is someone lying? The question is, is what they're saying true or not? See, true can be established to some degree of reliability whether someone's lying or not, that's a state of mind question. And, of course, when Kavanaugh says he didn't do it, he's saying that what Blasey Ford is saying is not true. It's not true. Is he calling her a liar? I don't know. We, <laughs> we had a guy on the show last night. I'm not equating the two, but just philosophically speaking. 
We had a caller in last night who believed that he'd been subjected to 10 years off and on of gang stalking, right, which is this targeted harassment by super international spy agencies run by the government, and they produce strange knocks under his toilet, and they target him with energy weapons, and he genuinely believed it. Is he a liar? I don't know. Because to be a liar means that you are aware that what you're saying is false, but you say it anyway. And that's a state of mind argument. And it's irrelevant philosophically, because it's probably important in your personal life, you know, figure out if someone's lying. But when it comes to like courts of law or like, is he a liar? Is she a liar? Doesn't matter. The question is, is what she's saying true now? The year also changed. At some point, she said it was the early 1980s. Then she said the mid-1980s and so on. So that's not good. But the one thing, the one thing that Kavanaugh kept referring to, which the Democrats kept avoiding, is that one fundamental reality. And the fundamental reality is this. There are four people who can corroborate what Christine Blasey Ford talks about in that party. There are four people who can corroborate it. There was a guy named PJ, there was her female friend, there's Kavanaugh, and there's Judge. The four people who can corroborate what Christine Blasey Ford said happened that night. Now, under penalty of a felony, under penalty of criminal prosecution, these people have all made statements, signed affidavits. I don't know what they say under felony. I don't know if that's the same as penalty of perjury, but it's the same effect, which is they could go to prison if it turns out that what they're saying is false. All four people have said under penalty of felony that it did not happen. Christine Blasey's Ford, best friend at the time, said she's never met Kavanaugh, never at that party, no idea what she's talking about, nothing. Nothing. So Christine Blasey's Ford, sorry, Christine Blasey Ford's testimony contradicts itself. She seemed a little scattered at times, right? So the question of her therapist's notes is kind of important. She first said that she viewed them online. Now, that seems weird to me because I don't know much about it. But as far as I understand it, therapist notes are locked up in filing cabinets. They're not put online for you to log in and have a look at. And generally, the therapist notes are for the consumption and edification of the therapist. They're not usually shared with the patient, as far as I understand it. So she said, oh, I, and then she's like, no, I saw them in an office. And, you know, just things seemed kind of uh, scattered as far as that went. The Washington Post reporter, the Washington Post broke the story. The Washington Post reporter said that Blasey Ford had shared portions of the therapist notes with the Washington Post reporter, which is just a couple of weeks ago. And Blasey Ford said that she had she couldn't remember if she had or had not shared them with the, you know, when you're taking something as personal and sharing it with a reporter, I think that'd be kind of memorable. And I won't get all the other stuff up, but there was a fair amount of just, I can't remember, I don't remember, it, I'm not sure what the date was and so on. And this is all stuff that happened recently, like a month or two ago. Regarding the, oh, oh man, so much to talk about. I'll get to your questions. I really do. I, I will get to your questions. I'm here for the duration, my friends. And by the way, Almost 5,000 people. Welcome. It's uh, great to, to have you. I will keep you engaged for the evening. You know, this is important, very important stuff. A lot of philosophical principles at play here. 
So when you have your credibility hinging on your truthfulness and your memory, because you're being truthful about your memory, then there are two things you need to maintain. Obviously, you need to maintain consistency, and you also need to have a very, very, very good memory. A very, very, very good memory. Because when you say, as Christine Blasey Ford said, that something is seared into your brain, it's seared, like, seared into your brain. Well, you shouldn't really forget stuff then, should you? And all of this stuff should be, she's saying stress and trauma sear stuff into your brain. Well, I assume it's been stressful and traumatic for her over the last month or two. And there you go. There you go. I mean, if she's not able to keep her story straight, if all of the eyewitnesses that she claims can confirm her deny her, and if she seems to have a huge amount of problems with even memory over the last month or two, come on, people. (laughs) This is not... Credible, say, oh, well, it's credible, it's credible. You've got to listen seriously to accusations. Well, that's always an interesting question. And philosophically, it's not so clear. So, look, if a woman staggers into a police station, bleeding, lip is cut, bruised eye, like full Juanita Broderick, then yes, of course you listen absolutely serious. Something terrible happened to her. Unless she was thrown from a truck and mistook it for a rape, you know, something really bad. She's got a torn vagina. She's got uh, a semen uh, uh, on her legs. Uh, like, okay, absolutely serious, right? Someone comes and says, at some point, 35 to 38 years ago, in some location, I can't remember... I was attacked by this guy, and like, do you need to listen seriously to that? Well, I suppose you can say, okay, well, give me your, give me the people who can confirm what you say. Okay, and if, if each one of them say no, it's not true, it never happened, then guess what? You no longer need to listen seriously to such an accusation because it has been disproven. That this is why this is never going to show up in court. It's never going to show up in court because. The eyewitnesses completely disavow Lacey Ford's accusations. And there's no getting around that. There's no getting around that. So then, what are you left with? Inconsistent statements, complete lack of detail, eyewitnesses flatly rejecting, under penalty of felony, flatly rejecting what Lacey Ford says. What are you left with? Well... What you're left with is a political hack job. And this is very clear, very clear, because Senator Feinstein received this letter, what, a month and a half ago, something like that. And she sat on it for like 40, 45 days. And this could all have been dealt with, right? They could have called up Kavanaugh. They could have called up Lacey Ford and said, you know, come in and do your statements. We'll keep it in the down low. We'll keep it quiet because they're just allegations and we don't want to ruin everyone's lives now, do we? We'll go and we'll interview people and we'll and we'll get their statements and so on, right? All could have been done quietly, which is what Christine Blasey Ford says that she actually wanted. Then she seems to have, well, chatted about it with... <laughs> it's like, oh, it's so mad. She ended up chatting about it. Hey, welcome to the 500 new people. Nice to chat with you. She ended up chatting about it with a group of people she called her beach friends. Her beach friends. I didn't tell anyone about this trauma except my husband and my therapist. And then indirectly. Well, okay, except for the people I went surfing with. I mean, her beach friends um, uh, found out about it. But Feinstein's office 
sat on this and did not bring any of it up when they had private discussions with Brett Kavanaugh regarding his nomination to the Supreme Court. They had private behind the door, uh, behind closed door sessions where they went over everything. Does he have gambling debts? Does he have any addictions? Does anyone have anything they can blackmail him with? They went over all the possible dirt they could find. Senator Feinstein was sitting on this information and sitting in on that process to some degree while it was going on. She did not. Feinstein did not bring up any of this. Why? Because, I think we all understand this. Why? Because if Feinstein had brought this up 45 days ago when she first received the information, something like 45 days, then they would have launched an investigation. It would have been concluded. You know, what is it? How long does it take? Who were they? Oh, let's call them out. Let's send out some people. We'll get her affidavits. Oh, you know, it turns out that they deny everything you say, so we can't, uh, we can't accuse the guy of it because blah, 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 right? Done and dusted in a week or two, maybe three. 21 out of the 45 days. So it would have been done and dusted, but they don't want that, you see. Because she was able to hold this public power of shame, humiliation, and abuse in her hand. Now, she was supposed to keep this stuff on the down low. She, she said, oh, I'm going to keep it confidential and keep it confidential. And then they asked Feinstein, or they commented about this in the hearings today, how did this information get out? How did it get leaked? Feinstein said, well, I didn't do it. Did anyone in your office do it? I don't know. I haven't asked them. <laughs> Come on! I say, well, she did tell her beach friends. It's like, yes, but it's the letter, the letter itself that was sent to Feinstein that was leaked. And her friends didn't have that letter because it was given to Feinstein. So anyway, this is horrible. This is just a complete hatchet job. It could have been handled quietly. It could have been, it could have come and gone just like a beached whale in the middle of the night, far out in the ocean. You don't even know what's happening. Instead, lives have been virtually destroyed the country has been torn in two, uh, passions and escalations and hysteria and abuse and death threats, all, all because she wanted to sit on this hand grenade until she could lob it in for maximum effect right before the vote to nominate him to the SCOTUS. So I just want, well, I'll get to Kevin on a sec, which was amazing. But the other thing I want to mention is there's this weird thing. It's like, what possible incentive could she have for any of this? Come on. I don't know this woman, and I'm not talking about her in particular, but I will say this. There are people in the world, my friends, who have a pathological need for attention, who love to be the center of attention. Now, I know as a guy with 4,000 podcasts, there may be a few fingers pointing out there on the internet. I understand all of that as well. I understand all of that as well. But she got a lot of attention. She has people who say... I will work for you for free. Her lawyers are working for her pro bono. Her lawyers, it turns out, and this took a little bit of wrestling to get this information out, her lawyers ended up paying for her polygraph. The polygraph was two general questions, completely nonspecific. Plus, Blasey Ford, within 24 hours of the polygraph, or 24 hours, within 24 hours before the polygraph, had just come from her grandmother's funeral. Now, as far as I understand it, if you're emotionally upset, the polygraph no worky too well. Plus, nobody brought up the fact that her governing body, the American Psychological Association, says that polygraphs are largely crap anyway, and they're not reliable and blah, 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 right? So, and she didn't even know. <laughs> she didn't even know. Maybe uh, too much uh, of the makeover. The makeover, you got to see her before and after. It's incredible, right? But I don't begrudge her that. I just think it's interesting. But uh, yeah, she, I don't know who paid for my polygraph. <laughs> Come on. So they say, well, what's her incentive? Well, first of all, 
seems to me she was pretty much plugging her GoFundMe sites because she was talking about, well, she said, how are you going to pay for all this? I, said, I don't know. There are some GoFundMe sites out there on the internet, wink, wink. Two GoFundMe pages have raised over 630000 U.S. dollars for one Christine Blasey Ford. $630,000. But that's no incentive at all. (laughs) She's going to have a huge amount of attention. She's going to be able to speak at conferences. She's going to be a hero to the left. She's stopping literally Hitler from appointing literally Goebbels or whatever the story is on the left. She's going to have a book deal. She's going to be on talk show. She's, She's set. Man, she is set. I mean, good Lord. Anita Hill, uh, the accuser of Clarence Torres, is still doing the circuit, is still doing all of this. So, come on. I mean, the idea that uh, there's no incentive here. Because if there's no, like, okay, they're all Democrats, right? Christine Blasey Ford has donated to Democrats. You've got Democrat lawyers on either side uh, working pro bono. So what's their incentive? Why are they doing all of this? Why would the lawyers give all of this work away for free? Why would they pay for her? I mean, just imagine. Imagine you call up some lawyer. You call up some lawyer and you say, oh, I want to make an allegation against a guy from 38 years ago. Not sure when it was, not sure of the year uh, and uh, not sure of the location. And uh, I want you to work for free. And I also want you to pay for my polygraph. (laughs) I mean, come on. What the lawyer would like look at you like, I think you found the wrong place. Adjust your meds and call the psych ward because you're nuts. So the lawyers have an incentive to do it, which is they want to block Kavanaugh's nomination, which is why they're bringing up all this FBI stuff. They want to block Kavanaugh's nomination, of course, right? And so the lawyers have that huge incentive to do it. The lawyers are Democrats. Christine Blasey Ford is a Democrat. The other women, it's amazing how Kavanaugh and Judge only preyed upon extreme leftist women, (laughs) you know, who uh, are social justice warriors and, you know, massive Democrats. It's amazing, you know, it's really targeted in on their on their victims there. But uh, of course, there's a huge incentive for it. There's a huge, she's going to be a hero to tens of millions of people for the rest of her natural born life. She's going to make an absolute fortune. And uh, she gets huge amounts of attention. Of course, there's an incentive. Of course, I mean, the idea that there's no incentive is just ridiculous. And it's a way of covering up the fact that the four witnesses said it didn't happen. And you cannot get around that fact. Not only does her story change and mutate and there's contradictions, but the four witnesses say it did not happen. So I'm going to get to our good friend Kavanaugh in just a moment, but I just wanted to check in on ye oldy super chatsies and uh, see what I have uh, gotten a hold of. And, and listen, it's great. 6,000 people. Absolutely wonderful to chat with you. Thank you so much for dropping by. And um, what have we got here? Super chat from Ian Hall. <laughs> oh, fine. I need my glasses. Hang on. Ian Hall. Oh, did that help much? Okay. Has no corroborating witnesses, vague details with no real timeline, 11th hour claim and zero credibility. He's guilty. Kavanaugh is having a why me moment. Oh, no. She's having a 630,000 uh, up there. Uh, super chat. Is there any healthy way to consume porn? That's an interesting question. I would say if you're not in the same vicinity as spray-prone Avenetti, you're probably good to go. Super Chat, John Bob. Even some working-class stiffs like me are benefiting from your show. Anyway, Jordan Peterson did an analysis of New Democrat political ad. It's called Built Not Bought. If you have seen it, what do you think about it? I'm sorry, John Bob. I have not seen it. I did see the, the tweet, but I haven't watched it. So I will have a look, though. 
Uh, Super Chat, the coup de grace was Cav. Kavanaugh telling of his daughter's prayers for Dr. Fraud and what this has done to his family. Dr. Fraud is robotic and cold. Cav in. Well, I think he's going to get in, uh, which means um, terrorism on the part of the left. Super Chat, Cloud9 Ninja, can you comment on Sam Harris's ridiculous strawman tweets in defense of Ford? I'm embarrassed I ever considered him a philosophical leader. So Harris said, in sentence, I think he was talking about something that Ben Shapiro had, uh, had written. And Kavanaugh said, incentives have to factor into your reasoning, Ben. One person has, to, has an extraordinary amount to lose by lying or even by participating in this spectacle, and the other has everything to gain by it. Uh, Kavanaugh's defenders appear to believe either one. Ford is lying to keep him off the court and willing to destroy her life in the process. What's more, she's been preparing the ground for this accusation for years. Or, two, she is telling the truth about her experience, but this is a terrible case of mistaken identity. One seems extraordinarily unlikely. As for two, how common is it to identify an assailant who is already known to you, i.e. not a stranger? Uh, Harris uh, said, conversely, assuming he's innocent, how likely is it that Kavanaugh would repeatedly decline to ask for a further FBI investigation, even though this made him look guilty? So, I mean, this is all bullshit tea leaf reading that is completely irrelevant to the process of establishing the truth or falsehood of these allegations. This, well, what's her state of mind? Is she lying? What does she have to gain? What does he have to gain? What doesn't matter. She made an allegation which has contradictory information, is extraordinarily nonspecific as to location and date. And the four people she said could corroborate her story all denied that it ever happened. All denied under threat of felony, denied that it ever happened. So as far as us casting our chicken bones and reading our tea leaves and trying to figure out what her state of mind is and what she has to be, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. This tea leaf reading is complete bullshit and people just avoiding the basic facts. And listen, I'm working to be nonpartisan here. If the, and I thought, okay, the situation were reversed and so on. No, the situation, if it were reversed, would be the same. There is still emphatic denials from the people she claims are proof that it happened. So, yeah, sorry. And, and again, one of whom is her, um, her best friend. And uh, maybe we get to lose our focus here. All right. So uh, let's, uh, we'll get to Kavanaugh. We get to Kavanaugh. What do we get here for the Super Chat? Um, super Chat from Person X Unknown. Um, I think my, is my, my camera's a little blurry, isn't it? Let me, uh, I'm scared to fix it. <laughs> okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. We'll get it, we'll get it. You know, it's not like it's having trouble getting my defined, my well-defined head here, right? All right, we'll just plug on. Um, super Chat, hi, Steph. I recently started looking for a girlfriend. I have found that women are uninterested in personal details about men. The question about values and interests are 10 to 1s. Is this uh, 10 to 1? Is this normal? Well, you know, it is an interesting thing to tie this back into what was being said today. It's very interesting. So Kavanaugh was repeatedly asked if he was calling... Um, uh, Dr. Ford, a political operative, part of a big left-wing plot, or a liar, and so on. And of course, what that's designed to do is to make mostly women, but white knights as well, sympathize. Oh, you're calling her a liar. You're calling she, she's part of some conspiracy. I don't know. Maybe she's part of conspiracy. I don't know if she's lying or not. But I know that there's no evidence that she's telling the truth. And I know that there's people who contradict like, why, why is this, oh, you've got to believe women? Well, of course, there's the, well, what about Keith Ellison's girlfriends and all the women who were abused by 
um, Bill Clinton and so on. But it's more subtle than that. Because you say, oh, we got to believe women. Well, what about the 65 women who signed a letter saying that they knew Judge Kavanaugh in high school and he was a stand-up guy who was a perfect gentleman, treated women with dignity and respect everywhere he went? How about that? Number one. Uh, number two, why do we believe the woman, Blasey Ford, over her friend who was there who says it never happened? Because it's not about believe women. It's about believe anyone who smears a Republican. That's all. It's not believe women. I understand. It's ridiculous, right? So women are under-interested in personal details about men. Nobody's asking Blasey Ford, well, are you... Are you calling Kavanaugh a liar for denying your story? Like, nobody's asking because nobody cares about Kavanaugh's feelings. They care about Blasey Ford's feelings, and also because she does this, right, this, like, uh, trembling little lamb uh, with his little girl voice and the, the vocal fry and all this kind of stuff. Come on. I mean, she's a... <laughs> oh, yeah. And, oh, I got to go with the... <laughs> I believe I can't fly. Right, so she's got this whole story about, well, she couldn't come and testify, you see, because... She's scared of flying, you know. And then the woman who was uh, interviewing her, the professional, was like, well, you've got this hobby, which is oceanography. Well, you went to this place. Well, you went to this place. And you flew here. And you flew there. And you've all your hobbies involve flying and so on. Uh, you know, that does not make her look that good. And again, false in one thing equals false in everything. The moment you say, well, I'm too scared to fly, and that's why I can't come and testify, and then it turns out that you've been flying all over the place forever. I mean, she spent a year in Hawaii for a PhD, for heaven's sake. It's all... It's all nonsense. So, uh, all right. So, yeah, if, if somebody's not interested in your personal details, don't date them. Don't date them. Super chat from Evan. Kavanaugh killed it. I think this is bad for Democrat midterms. Thoughts? A wise yet stubbornly materialistic one. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, that, let's get to Kavanaugh. All right, you're dragging me there. So, I found um, Blasey Ford's testimony was... Okay, I found it really syrupy. Like, is, is there any amount of praise you can stuff up a woman that she just says, I'm full? You know, because on the call-in show, right? People call me in and they, they're trying to butter me up, especially if we're having a conflict or we think we might. They're kind of buttering me up. Oh, Steph, you're this great philosopher. You did this great show. It's changed my life. But it's like, great. Okay, but let's get on with the conversation. Really, don't need that much praise. But the amount of, you're heroic, Christine Blasey Ford, you're a titan among everyone, you're so brave, you're changing the conversation. It's like, at some point, does she say, hey, look, I'm a psychologist, I know what you're trying to do, you're trying to align yourself with me, you're trying to butter me up, you're trying to, like, let's just stick with the facts, right? But no, there's, like, no amount of praise. I see, there's some women who is, like, it's kind of gross, and any sane human being with that amount of praise would be, like, yeah, you're giving my brain diabetes, right? But at no point did, like, did anyone, like, just praise, praise, praise. They just got a little bit sickening. After a while, and of course, the reason for the praise is because her statement contradicts itself, and therefore people who deny that it ever happened, so they have to praise her, praise her, praise her. So then Kavanaugh, oh, and the other thing too, I think I may have discovered one teeny tiny little reason for the wage gap, which is this. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Christine Blasey Ford. Fifteen minutes after the break, she's like, my brain is getting tired. <laughs> And yet Kavanaugh, hour after hour, punch after punch, he just keeps going. He's like the energizer bunny of outraged righteousness. And uh, yeah, that might have something to do with, with that. So the speech, the 45-minute speech that Kavanaugh gave was one of the magnificent speeches in the history 
of humanity. And I kid you not, if you get a chance to watch it, oh man, it was incredible. The guy has really encouraged me. I don't want to make it about me. It encouraged me to up my game, more commitment, more passion, more pursuit of the truth, uh, less uh, uh, holding back, all this. Amazing, amazing, powerful speech. And what a difference from the sort of frightened little damn little girl voice, uh, vocal fry of Blasey Ford. An incredibly powerful statement, but kind of exactly what you would expect somebody who'd been unjustly accused and had spent 10 days stewing in his own juices. I hope the judge remembers that because 10 days is nothing in the American legal system for being left a twist in the wind or the British legal system. If you saw what happened with um, Tommy Robinson, what his trial has now been moved to, is it October? I mean, November, something terrible. It's just horrible. So Kavanaugh just had a magnificent speech. Uh, I... You know, he's a judge, you know, he's uh, in the political world. So, you know, like philosophically, sophistry, I can't keep my distance. But, you know, he just kept ripping down my barriers. And I shouldn't say that. That sounds too aggressive for him. But uh, he was just uh, amazing and passionate and powerful. His, His faith in God. See, there's no rational calculation about have you put yourself through this process. You have to believe that you're called by a higher power to fight evil and do good in the world. You basically have to be a Jesus-supported superhero in order to take this kind of stuff on because there's no rational calculation wherein you'd say, yeah, this is a, a great thing. It's, I have to explain to my 10-year-old daughter what a gang rape is. Oh, that's wonderful. I can't wait to go to work on Monday. So his faith was amazing. And I actually, and I tweeted about this, I really... I envied that man, his faith, uh, today, because I guarantee you that is the source of uh, his strength and his resolution to stick by that. And I know, like, I do my own good stuff, and and I take on conversations that other people won't and so on, but it was very inspiring to see that. And I was moved, you know, when, when he got emotional. Like, again, this is all just my subjective stuff. This is not philosophical. I'm completely clear about that. But when... Christine Blasey Ford was was testifying, you know, I, I've seen, like, I've got experience in the acting world. I went to theater school for, for almost two years. Uh, well, I went to acting classes for a year. I didn't make it through the second year because I really hated the writing program, a bunch of lefties. But uh, I spent a lot of time in the, in the acting world. I'm pretty good at knowing when someone's genuine and somebody's not. It's not perfect, obviously. It's, it doesn't mean anything. It's just my particular perspective and opinion. But it seemed to me like she was forcing the emotion up and forward. And it seemed to me like he was trying to restrain his emotions and keep them down. And when he was telling that story, first of all, his love for his father came through beautifully. And secondly, when he was telling the story about his, I think it was a 10 year old daughter who said, we should pray. She said, we should pray for Dr. Ford. And like, that's, oh my God. I mean, whether that's right or wrong, philosophically, holy crap, what a, what a powerful moment. And uh, what a, uh, a beautiful moment of fatherly love. And man, you got to respect a dad who can raise a little girl like that. That's that's really uh, amazing and impressive and stellar. So that was amazing. Now, after the speech, when the questions started pouring in, ugh, I mean, it, it, to me, it's really like you have adults in the room and then you have manipulative toddlers in the room and i'm going to leave you to sort that out as far as the left or right spectrum goes lindsey graham 
had a very passionate and powerful speech uh, that was uh, impressive and and hit the nail on the head and um uh, Ted Cruz, uh, you know, not quite as as passionate and strong, I think, as he could have been, but bring up brought up some some excellent points. They did have to focus on ridiculous things like, okay, your yearbook from, and they don't even know which year it is, right? They don't even know which year because Blasey Ford has this story, you know, like she was, I guess, almost raped, as she says, and and feared for her very life because he put his hand, she says, over her mouth to. Um, stop her from crying out and she thought she might die or whatever and then six to eight weeks later she runs into the judge fellow in a supermarket and says hi or hi or hi it just goes up to talk to him and that seems very odd uh to me if you feel that somebody participated in the almost rape slash murder of you going up for chats he seems a little odd to me but you know maybe i'm just sane so to respond to all of the various, well, you said this in your yearbook. What's that code for? Like the Ralph Club. Well, Ralph, we used to call it uh, the Technicolor Yawn. We used to call it driving the big white bus, you know, because you're hanging onto the toilet seat and throwing up and so on. And I think as a teenager, I may have thrown up maybe two or three times from drinking. I did it for a couple of weeks. And then I was like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> this is like a terrible waste of time. I don't get any Sunday. I just have a headache and it's just it's wretched. But um, yeah, the Technicolor Yawn, Driving the Big White Bus, I'm sure that you guys have lots of sayings for it. They called it the Ralph Club, and so he talked about that. And then, I don't know, they were just trying to talk about some drinking game. And it was just kind of sad because, you know, Kavanaugh, you know, I got to tell you, he's an impressive guy. I mean, obviously a great jurist, a great judge, a great legal scholar, a great legal mind, got into Yale without connections, Yale Law School, which is tough. And yeah, just, I mean, a basketball player, a football player, I mean, a good athlete and all that. I mean, holy crap, man, the guy's got, and a generous guy, takes a whole group of people, 30 people on a bus to Fenway Park, buys all the tickets, a generous guy. And one of the um, nebbish looking senators, I think it was a senator, was uh, asking him about uh, some drinking game and and, uh, (laughs) Kavanaugh said to the guy, well, I mean, it's like quarters. Do you ever play quarters? And the guy's like, no. You know, quarters, I'm sure you know. You get the cups and you throw the quarters in. And if you land it, the person has to take a drink and all that. And I'm not trying to glorify drinking and all of that, of course, right? But at the same time, it's just kind of sad that this guy has never played quarters. I mean, isn't that kind of a rite of passage? You know, it's like playing playing poker for nickels. I mean, it's just kind of a rite of passage, isn't it? When, you, when you've got friends as a, as, a, as a teenager and so on. So, yeah, Kavanaugh was great. And... and I found it frustrating because they kept coming at FBI, FBI, FBI. And now they love the FBI because the FBI is not looking at, at Hillary Clinton, right? And the fact that the left we used to be very skeptical of the FBI, like back 60s and 70s, used to be very skeptical. The fact that they're pro-FBI now, that they want the FBI to solve everything and look into everything, simply means that they've taken over the FBI. And therefore, it's a safe entity for them so they can appeal to it. If the FBI was still being run by Republicans, then they wouldn't want any FBI investigations. So they kept hitting Kavanaugh with, well, surely you would support an FBI investigation. Let's have an FBI. You've got to have an FBI. Right? And this was just getting me kind of twitchy. Like, I literally was ending up with that, like, donkey and Shrek kind of facial tick. Because, well, first of all, the investigation has already occurred. I mean, you don't get affidavits signed or, or statements signed under threat of felony 
unless there's already been an investigation. So the investigation has already occurred and the results are in and an FBI investigation isn't going to do anything else because the people who were there have already been talked to and have already signed their legal documents saying it didn't happen. There's no investigation to do moving forward in any way, shape or form at all, at all, at all. So that's kind of important. So um, there is already investigation. Secondly, if an FBI investigation was so important, they could have done this, as I said earlier, way back at the beginning. Feinstein was sitting on this letter from Blasey Ford for like 45 days. They could have done the investigation a week or two or three. It's done. So no, the whole would you support the FBI investigation is, well, can we delay this until after the midterms? Can we delay this until you can't be appointed? Can we basically just use our political shenanigans to scotch your appointment and interfere with just legitimate constitutional presidential powers like, say, appointing someone to the Supreme Court. So without a doubt, it's just a delay tactic to scotch the nomination. And I was getting kind of frustrated because it's like, just tell them, <laughs> tell them it's not a valid thing. Well, and he did. He said, it's already been investigated. Uh, the FBI doesn't do this kind of investigation. The investigation won't lead to any conclusions because they're all saying, well, surely you would welcome an FBI investigation to clear everything up. And he said, that's not what the FBI does. They don't arrive at criminal conclusions. They simply gather information and make some recommendations, perhaps, but it won't clear anything up at all, at all. But he couldn't push back against it too much. And credit to my producer for reminding me of this, but I get it. Okay, so what they wanted was a clip of saying, I do not want an FBI investigation. I reject an FBI investigation. Well, there's your meme for everyone. And that way, when he says that, they can keep that clip put it all out of context, and then they can just replay, oh, he doesn't want an FBI investigation, he must have something to hide, right, you know, all that kind of crap, so. Moving on with the Super Chat. Super Chat from Amenti. Keep up the good fight, Stefan. I will, and I will be a gooder and keeper-upper better fighter going forward. Super Chat from Rob Hate. Do you think, Hate? H-A, well, it's, it's not what you think. Do you think that a counter-investigation will occur should... Kavanaugh not be voted in. P.S. Republicans are, were super weak. Hmm. Counter-investigation. That's a... I doubt it. I doubt it because the Republicans will probably just want to move on and, and try and get their next big, giant, omnibus, huge, massive spending bill. Plus, of course, they have a lot of lies to tell to Americans about uh, building a wall. So I do not think so. Um... I do think, of course, this is a policy that's kind of ancient, uh, uh, which is if you you take a run at someone with a criminal allegation and it turns out that what you're saying is false, uh, you should receive the same punishment that the person you're accusing of would have received. So, I mean, Kavanaugh, it, you know, these are ridiculously serious allegations, to coin an oxymoronic phrase. Uh, he is facing accusations of sexual assault, um, I don't know, like covering someone's mouth is that attempted murder? I don't know. And then this this last woman uh, who's complaining uh, that he was uh, involved or knew about hundreds of rapes. Uh, I mean, this is all mad, right? But this is like the rest of your life in prison at best kind of stuff. And uh, if the women are found to have falsified things, of course the women should, um, should face jail time uh, if they falsified. And again, if the witnesses you claim will verify your story, specifically and clearly say that it didn't happen. Guess what? It's not verified. So yeah, then you should get the punishment that the person would have gotten that you're accusing if it had been true. But uh, 
there is a horrible reluctance on the part of the judiciary to go after women who make false accusations, right? So there are studies, you know, there's this 2%, Michelle Malkin's got a great short piece on this. There's this belief out there that only 2% of rape, rape accusations are ever false, and it's not true. The number was pulled out of nowhere. No one can ever find the source. The true number, depending on the study, depending on the location, is anywhere between 8 and 40%. So that's a lot. And there is a, there's been a few instances in England where women who, after repeated rape accusations, do end up serving some jail time, but there is a very strong reluctance of uh, the judiciary to go after women for false accusations for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they're moms. There is this general white knighting. They can cry, and therefore, you know, it's the tears that wash away civilization. So, all right, let's see here. Um, super chat from Steve Fernade. Her quivering, up-speaking voice was over the top. Yeah, yeah. So there's great power in a woman's vulnerability, right? I mean, this is, I think, it's an old line that says that a woman's weakness, a woman's facade of weakness is her strength and a man's facade of strength is his weakness. There is great power in the quavering lip, in the frightened lamb look, in the vulnerability and so on. It actually, I mean, for men, if you pull that stuff, for men, it invites bullying. For women... It invites protection and white knighting, and there's an enormous, like, I genuinely can't imagine what it's like to be sad and have people rush to save me from whatever was going on. Like, I just, it's hard for men to even understand that because we live in such a different universe, but, uh, well, particularly white men. So, yeah, it was. Super chat. Can Jesus heat, heat up a burrito so hot that even he himself <laughs> cannot eat it? Oof, that is an interesting question. Can Jesus heat up a burrito so hot that he himself cannot eat it? Now, I'm going to switch that around a little because Jesus, of course, was in the Middle East. So I'm going to rephrase it as, can Jesus heat up a burrow so that he, uh, so hot that even he himself cannot eat it? And I'm going to say yes. Uh, Super chat. Doug says, I was red-pilled by you and Ben Shapiro <laughs> in a room in an undisclosed location at some point in the early 80s. All right. I was red-pilled by you and Ben Shapiro. After watching today's hearing, I am said that I will never vote Democrat ever again. To all those, hashtag walking away from the Democrat Party, get out there and vote these scumbags out. Okay, so yeah, this, oh, brother. This hearing today was the biggest political backfire, one of the biggest political backfires in the history of the Republic, not counting Hillary's rampant arrogance and certainty that she was going to win the uh, election. This was a massive miscalculation. They should have kept it quiet because they're basically saying this guy is a a, a serial gang rapist, right? The, the worst the worst guy that you can conceive of, just about. And then, so people hear all of that. They get all this media portrayal of Kavanaugh, you know, the guy who just wants women to die and back alley abortions, and he's terrible, and he's a gang rapist, and all this kind of stuff. And then he comes out. He's a loving father. He's He's powerful, he's concise, he's he's alert, he's effective, he's courageous, he's confident, you know, healthy male assertiveness, right? And it's so funny on the left, right? Because on the left, oh, you know, men are emotionally unavailable and that's terrible. And then here's a man who's emotionally available. He's unstable. Anyway, just one of the double standards that you have to live with if you listen to other people. Uh, but um, 
Yeah, it's a huge miscalculation because he came across very well and the Democrats came across very badly. Now, you know how it works in life, right? So there are people who are on the Republican side who see what's going on. There are people who are on the hard left who have I mean, I I looked at Twitter all over the place, looked at all the people who were like, oh, I don't, he's not credible at all, and she's totally credible, right? It's got Adams to a movie theory, right? But then there's all these people in the middle who were open to some sort of change, some sort of reason and evidence, and those people were led to a particular view of Brett Kavanaugh by the media, by the Democrats, by the establishment. Now, normally, that's all that ever happens. You're just told terrible things about someone, and you never actually sit down and consume them in any great quantity. But because everyone was so fascinated, it was fun to watch all the YouTubers saying, hey, man, no one's watching my videos today. It's like, so it was really fascinating to see that the media portrayed Kavanaugh a particular way. And then what happened was people actually sat down and watched Kavanaugh for like, what was it, six hours? Some crazy amount of time. And that creates for those capable of reason cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance, dissonance. Yeah, so cognitive dissonance is, is the right term, although the other one's pretty accurate too. And cognitive dissonance is when there's a crack in the egg from which the eagle of reason can possibly emerge, right? Cognitive dissonance is like, well, wait, this guy, I was told this guy was totally evil. And he seems like a pretty good guy. And he's answering questions well. And He's very passionate about his family and he gets choked up about his daughter and like how, like, he can't be that good an actor. That's not his job. You know, he could be as good an actor as I could be a judge, right? So that is revealing the hard leftists in the Democrat Party. And I think that there's going to be a certain amount of recoil because I think it's pretty clear to anybody who looked at this with an open mind that this was a political hit job. And anyway, so yeah, I think it's a huge blowback. And I think that there is going to be uh, some uh, uh, some walk away uh, from, from the Democrats. A super chat from Jesse Clark. He says, I was falsely accused of rape in high school. It is no joke. Painful and hurtful more than you can imagine. Almost ruined me. Well, I am sorry to hear that. That is, uh, it is terrifying. And you know, there I, I did tweet a little bit about this today in terms of so with like Kavanaugh being like, okay, come on, is is there anyone out there who wouldn't appreciate having Brett Kavanaugh as a father? Uh, come on, I mean, he's there for his kids. He's passionate. He's emotional, connected. He's intelligent. He's successful. He's got some wisdom. Is he a perfect man? Well, no, none of us are. But whew. so you know, he moved me. I, I had I had a tear in my eye. I'll be I'll be straight up with you guys, and I'm not easily moved by that kind of stuff. But he moved me, and I was not expecting that at all, because you know he's a judge. He's not an orator. Now I mean he did his law, and and he's used to speaking, but he's not an orator. He's a judge, and he was he was great. He was very powerful. Those 45 minutes, they're seared into my brain. <laughs> Understand right? And that is. Something that's quite astonishing because, you know, half of America's crying because they never had a father like that or probably never had a father at all. And there are millions of men, not just in America, but around the world, like yourself, Jesse, who've been falsely accused, whether it's falsely accused of rape or sexual harassment or, or sexual misconduct or sexual allegations of abuse in divorce, right? I mean, abuse the kids and so on. I mean, so 
there are millions of men out there who feel his pain in a very visceral way, just as you did. The outrage of being falsely accused and the unbelievable, cold-hearted, sociopathic, empty evil that it takes to level false accusations, to support false accusations. This whole thing should never have happened today. It should have been handled quietly. She should have made her allegations. They did the investigation. All the eyewitnesses came back denying what she said. It's done. It's done and done and done. But now, well, we see what we have seen. So I'm sorry, Jesse. That is a terrifying situation to be in. All right, Super Chat. I don't understand the mouth gymnastics. Was Kay just really nervous? Have never seen, have never had a conversation with someone whose tongue was so active. I believe truth and evidence, but interpersonal interaction skills, I did not understand. Help me understand. Well, so she said something interesting. So she said about her anxiety. So the question of like, how did this come up in marital therapy, like anyone cares, but her story was that she was doing this big renovation on her house. And this is kind of a fascinating look into the privileged world of a professor, right? Because she's got all these really expensive hobbies, oceanography, and, and she likes to tr travel a lot, and she's got lots of leisure, and she can put big uh, renovations on her house. And she said, I was getting to a lot of conflicts with my husband about the renovations of the house, in the house. And uh, that was explained because she said, I wanted a second door because I'm claustrophobic. And cluster, and you always need two exits from a house because of this thing that happened 36 years ago. I need an exit. I'm like, oh. now I could like, so when I was, I don't know, like 12 or 13 years old, a guy grabbed, an older guy, an, an adult, he grabbed my penis and it was not nice. And I got out of there and all of that. I, maybe I'm just, and you know, he didn't jump on top of me, didn't cover his, my mouth with his hands and all of that. It was just like a grab and, and I had to <laughs> get out of there. But this woman's job as a psychologist, I assume, I know, actually that's the job description, is to help people process and move past trauma. That's the job, to help people process and move past trauma. It's not the only part of the job, but it's an important part of the job, and she would have studied all of that. Now, there are two things that you resolutely do not do when you're helping people move past trauma. Number one, you don't tell them to strenuously avoid anything that makes them anxious, right? It's called exposure therapy. If you're scared of spiders, you start with a picture of a spider, then a small spider, then a bigger. You don't just say, well, arrange your life so you never see a spider. That's not, that's not mental health. That's, right? Snowflake. So yeah, number one, you do not avoid your anxiety. And number two, you do not repress your emotions. You accept and integrate and work with your emotions. You do not repress your emotions. So when it came to all of this stuff, she's trying to manage her emotions by putting a second door in the house so she doesn't feel trapped or confined or whatever. It's like, it's 36 years. You don't even remember which house it was. He's not coming back. He didn't leave a sock behind <laughs> or a handkerchief, right? So the husband's like, well, why do you need a second door? That's crazy. Now, it also turns out that I think there's random Airbnb people who come by, like Google interns who live at their house and that kind of stuff. So that could be another reason for the second door. But it seems odd to me that a psychologist who has studied and is in the profession of helping people move past trauma is still so traumatized by a non-rape 35 to 38 years after the event that she has to put in a second door for no reason to her house. I mean, is that 
somebody who knows how to move past trauma and help people move past trauma. I don't think she did the profession of psychology many favors <laughs> today, to put it as mildly as human humanly possible. So I wanted to know, also, was she on psych meds, right? She's got a lot of anxiety. She's, you know, got uh, issues and so on. Is she on meds? Was she on any meds when she took the polygraph test? Now, I mean, those are medical questions. I'm pretty sure you can ask them, but it doesn't mean I wouldn't like to know. All right. Um, super chat. How could man or boy drink that much and keep up the high grade points in sports participation? Ridiculous. Yeah. So they tried to portray him as basically a teen alcoholic or a, a college alcoholic and so on. And he's like, yeah, I had some drinks. Occasionally I got drunk to the point I drank too much, but I kept my grades up and I was an athlete the whole time. Like you can't play basketball with a hangover. At least you can't do it well. So yeah. All right. Um, oh, Yes. That's a good point. So we don't ever do this, or we rarely do this, but I'm going to suggest this anyway. Uh, if you are watching this, and hey, look at that. We hit over 6,000 now with 5.5 thousand. And uh, again, thank you so much for your donations. You can also help out at freedomainradio.com slash donate. But click subscribe and the notification bell. Subscribe and the notification bell. If you're new, right, you'll know when I post uh, new videos and uh, and so on. So so the notes, yeah, so the floor vote has been set for Saturday. That suggests some confidence. Uh, my prediction is he's going to get in, and that way the left is going to be able to confront some of their anxieties and deal with them with the help of Christine Blasey Ford, I'm sure. Super chat. From Hickory Tomato. <laughs> Actually, I believe I once gave a tomato a hickey at a very confused frat party. Hickory Tomato. Getting my daily dose of Stefan in, is in real time now. Awesome, LOL. Thank you for all you do and keep up the good work. Well, thank you very much, HT, if I can initialize you. I appreciate that. Um, and let's see here. Super chat. Is the culture enc encouraging false accusations? No. <laughs> it's not the culture who's encouraging false accusations, my friend. It's the left that is encouraging false accusations for political uh, purposes. So false accusations, here's the thing. A lot of women are honorable and, and decent people, but false accusations is a power that women have, dysfunctional women have, disturbed women have, pathological women have this power, and they don't want to give it up. It is, I mean, look at this. I mean, this one woman, Christine Blasey Ford, out from California, right? You know, she, she was real close, and she might actually still achieve it, Scotching a Supreme Court nomination. She has greater power than the president. Is it because she's a great political philosopher? Is it because she ran for office and became the president? Is it because she went through all of that? Did she become uh, such a well-known public persona that her very word sways millions of voters? And she... No. How did she achieve this great power to stymie, delay, and possibly stop a Supreme Court nomination? She accused a man. It's a lot of power. That is a lot of power. There's, I remember reading stories that in the Victorian age, sort of 150 years ago, women would tear their clothes, jump into a guy's carriage and say, give me 10 pounds or I'm going to scream rape. It's a big, big, big power. And the left often caters to women. And so the left does not want to like, the left didn't win the election, but they can stop a Supreme Court nominee. That's incredible. The left lost the presidency, but they can still stop a Supreme Court nomination. How do they do that? 
Well, accusations. We have to take these accusations seriously. No, no, no. Come on. They want to... All evil is the thirst for the unearned. They didn't earn the presidency. They didn't earn the right to scotch a Supreme Court nomination. But if they can get a woman to say that some guy raped her in some undisclosed location 35 plus years ago, they gain this amazing power to stop a Supreme Court nomination and fundamentally alter the course, not just of American jurisprudence, but American history itself. How do they get that power? False accusations, in my view, or just accusations as a whole. They don't want to give up that power, so the left is going to continue to cater to that, and the women will face no consequences in general. They should. They absolutely should, because, listen, we we all know this. We all know how unbelievably horrible it is to hijack and piggyback off men's sympathy for women who are abused in order to pursue a particular political agenda. It is a form of rape hijack terrorism. It is a form of rape hijack terrorism. Because men do care deeply in the West and enormously for women who are sexually abused and sexually assaulted. When you cheapen it for political grandstanding, when you cheapen it for the achievement of particular political goals, my goodness, my goodness, how are men going to react to the next accusation that comes out publicly? How are good women going to react to it? You are really hijacking off people's sympathies for a truly terrible and terrifying experience, such as being sexually assaulted and raped. And uh, and it's, I, I, I tweeted this too. I think it was uh, Feinstein who uh, was talking about the statistics of males and females who are sexually assaulted. And there was, all, of course, significant number of men who were sexually assaulted, and then it just vanished, and you can't talk about it again. It just doesn't exist. You can mention the statistic, but only if you pass it along. So. All right. Let's see here. Super chat from Matthew. Did Ford have an attention-seeking personality? I don't know. I, I couldn't speculate as to her state of mind, but um, see, here's the thing. You just have to imagine yourself in this kind of situation, right? So imagine that you accuse a public figure of such heinous crimes that he could spend the rest of his life in jail. He could spend the rest of his life in jail. His reputation, and even if he survives jail, even if he's never charged, his reputation is destroyed. His family life is, uh, um, Kevin, I kept talking about how his family life was destroyed and and so on. And I, I think that that's not true. It's harsh, but uh, you can emerge stronger from these kinds of things. But Imagine that you accuse a public figure of heinous, rampant, malevolent, evil criminality, such as participating in dozens of gang rapes. Or just just to go back to what Christine Blasey Ford said, let's say that you accuse him of trying to rape and kill you, that you're afraid of being killed. So you're charging someone with attempted rape and attempted murder. And that's all based upon what you imagine is going on in their head. Now imagine that. Now imagine then that all the people you say were there. Now, the only two people who were in the room, according to Christine Blasey Ford, were Judge and Kavanaugh. And of course, they will deny it. I mean, that would be acceptable. Sorry, that would be understandable, I would say. 
But the other people, the other two people in particular, and not not even counting, I don't know who the, the driver was. I mean, this is still a huge mystery. But um, all the other people say it never happened. With the party never happened. Your, your best friend at the time says, I never even knew. Brett Kavanaugh, we never met. Brett Kavanaugh, we never had any social interactions with Brett Kavanaugh. So you've accused someone of a heinous, horrible, reputation-destroying, career-ending, and possibly jailing crime. And then everyone says it never happened. Wouldn't you say, I'm so sorry. I must have got something terribly wrong because everyone else is telling me it didn't happen. And I need, like, wouldn't you then withdraw what you said? If you had any kind of conscience at all, wouldn't you then say, I'm so sorry, I must have got you mistaken with someone else, or I don't know? Wouldn't you say something? Did something bad happen to Christine Blasey Ford? I'm pretty sure that it did. I'm pretty sure that it did, and I sympathize with her for that. But my sympathy ends when the victim becomes the victimizer. And if she continues to persist in her story... When she has no proof, no evidence, and everyone who's there says it didn't happen. That's something really wrong with someone. Because you have to be incredibly, absolutely, 100% totally sure that you're right before you go around destroying people's reputation. And she's not. She's not right. By any standards of proof and evidence, she's absolutely wrong. Is she a liar? Don't know. It doesn't matter. What she's saying is not true. That's all that matters. What she's saying is not true, according to any reasonable standards of evidence. So, does she have an attention-seeking personality? I don't know. But I will say this. She's willing to go ahead and persist with her allegations and being 100% absolutely certain that Kavanaugh and Judge, well, Kavanaugh in particular, assaulted her. She's willing to go forward with that, despite the fact that everyone who was there, who she claims was there, says it didn't happen, they weren't there, they never met. She's willing to persist with that. That's heinous. To not have any doubt when everyone contradicts your story is not healthy. It's not right. It's not good. You should have at least some doubt when everyone contradicts your story. Everyone under threat of criminal punishment vows that what you claim happened never happened. And to still be 100% certain, that's not good. That is not right. You should withdraw. You should look for alternatives. You should maybe try and figure out who else might have done it. You should not just persist. So, super chat! It's the issue of Kavanaugh being presumed guilty. Even a left-right issue at this point, it seems it's being treated as a microcosm for general partisanship and is receiving outrage on this from everyone. No, the the, the, uh, guilty, based on accusation, that's a weapon of the left. Guilty based on accusation is a weapon of the left. And you can see it, like you understand... When people are willing to destroy reputations and lives and careers and families, eventually they will just end up destroying people physically. And this we've seen over and over again with the French Revolution, with the Cambodian Revolution, with the Russian Revolution, the Chinese Revolution, the Cuban Revolution, you name it. They will shoot people. They will gun people down. They will throw them in camps. They will starve and torture and kill them en masse. 
So this is a leftist thing. It is a leftist thing. It's a low IQ thing. See, the reason why you want innocent until proven guilty is because if you lose that standard, then you could easily be next to be accused of something. So it takes a particularly stupid kind of person to let that principle go for the sake of an immediate political gain, because you will lose everything in the long run. It's a devil's bargain, right? The devil gives you a small amount of power at the expense of your soul. And in politics, right, nobody wins this, you understand. Nobody wins this at all, except those who wish to destroy America, the West, and freedom as a whole. Nobody wins this. Because what comes out of this, my friends, as you know, is if Kavanaugh is nominated, which I think he will be, then a significant portion of the country, maybe a quarter, maybe a third, will consider the rule of law illegitimate now. And he's going to be there for decades, so they will consider the rule of law in America illegitimate for decades. If he doesn't get nominated, then the people on the right, a similar proportion of people on the right, will end up not accepting the rule of law because there is no rule of law. I mean, you can just accusations. Women can be weaponized to destroy men's lives for the sake of leftist political agendas. So no, it's uh, it's absolutely... This is destructive of everything and everyone. It doesn't matter about Kavanaugh. doesn't even matter about the Supreme Court that much. This is just destructive of everyone and everything. And this is... They're laying the foundations for a civil war. You understand that, right? We, we don't have to go over that in too much detail because it's all very clear. They're laying the foundations for a civil war. No question. Super chat. Please weed. Please weed. Please read Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering. It exposes how certain birth practices can inhibit the production of oxytocin to prevent proper bonding. I can't promise that I will. But if you think it's important for the show... I, you know, remind me again or send an email in, but uh, both on, both in terms of age and gender, it's not number one on my list of things, but maybe when my daughter gets older. Super chat, Brendan, for 2024, Alex Jones slash Kanye West or Kanye West slash Alex Jones. <laughs> well, that would be quite the anime crossover, but I'm not holding my breath. Super chat, Trevor, so confused right now. She seemed fake, and I believe, but can the FBI really do nothing? It doesn't seem like it might help. So the investigation, Trevor, has already been occurring, right? So the committee that interviewed Kavanaugh and Blasey Ford today, they have been investigating this for quite some time. And this is why you already have sworn statements and so on. So what will the FBI do? Now, the whole point of the FBI is simply to delay the nomination in the hopes that they can gain a couple of seats in the center of the house and be able to stop it more directly. Super chat from Lawrence. I think this may be remembered as the time when a sickened media finally went too far. Baseless smears should be dismissed without need for effort or evidence. The Napoleonic Code is not applicable. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, you have to prove your innocence. Um, yeah, so the burden of proof lies on the accuser in any rational system of law, right? The burden of proof lies upon the accuser, which is why you're innocent until proven guilty. And this is to take away the power of false accusations from people because it's a power that's only used by sociopaths, you understand, right? I mean, it's only used by really cold people who have no capacity for empathy whatsoever because if you have a capacity for empathy, you don't want to use this weapon against someone, not only because it will destroy their lives unjustly, but because you fear it will be used against you. So it just takes 
low quality people uh, who are cold hearted to use this. And so you have to have innocent until proven guilty, because otherwise you give the greatest power to the nastiest people in your society as a whole, and then you don't have a society for very long. Will it be a time when the sickened media finally went too far? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Just by the by, it popped into my head. There's a whole sequence in one of uh, Ann Coulter's books. It's pretty good about, uh, has Ann Coulter finally gone too far? And they're just doing this all over again. Like that guy in The Simpsons in the TV. You know, get the white hair. But um, no, see, the media can't go too far for deranged people because the media, the media is not stupid, right? The mainstream media is not stupid. I'm not saying you think they are, but they're not stupid. They're feeding just the kind of soma pablum drip drip of outrage that their hysterical, addicted, dependent audience needs. The media is is a kind of drug that dissolves independence. It dissolves independent thought. You become a, a programmed animatronic terminator for reason and evidence. And so once you go down that path where the media dictates your existence, you can't face the real world anymore. You understand? You can't face the real world. Because once you get addicted to a manufactured reality, you can't go into the real world because that's catastrophic for your false self, right? The false self is what we develop to adapt to abuse, and the media is a form of manipulation and therefore verbal abuse. Once you've adapted to that environment, it's very, very hard to face reality. So, I don't know. The media is is doing what the media does. Some people will wake up. Other people will want more. A super chat from John. The Dems keep calling for an FBI investigation when... The said crime wouldn't even fall in their jurisdiction. I have to believe the Dems know this and are just doing it for theatrical value. Yeah, yeah. So the FBI, it's just an IQ test. The FBI investigation request is just an IQ test because the FBI does not investigate this stuff. That would be the job for local police. The FBI does not come with conclusions. Uh, It does only investigations. It just questions people and puts 302s together and all of that. So, yeah, all they want to do is have someone say, I don't want an FBI investigation so that they can... Uh, pretend that that person is only saying that because they're guilty and it's you know it's just it's a low it's a low iq test a super chat from frank do you think i don't know why i'm screaming like some <laughs> metal singer super chat frank do you think that the defense the definition of sexual behavior used was a trap it included unintentional genital contact so even a football game or wrestling match would be included right well you know that is, um, it's another, it, like the invention of new standards is a way, again, of just putting more and more power into the hands of the meanest people uh, in society. It's like when James Comey invented this magical term called intent with regards to Hillary Clinton's use of the, her private email server. Intent doesn't matter. Intent is irrelevant as to the guilt or innocence of people who don't take proper steps to protect confidential information, which Hillary clearly didn't do. So you just made up this thing called intent. And unintentional genital contact is um, something that is invented legally so that women have more power, right? So that women have uh, more power. So there's an Australian kids group called the Wiggles. It's going to sound like an odd (laughs) segue, but it makes sense. So there's this Australian singing children's group called the Wiggles. My daughter liked them when they were little. And, um, when children want to hug, they just stand there and they wiggle, right? That's why they're called the wiggles. And they do that so that they never touch a child and don't end up with the full Michael Jackson treatment, right? So um, unintentional genital contact, I don't know. You know, you put your hands around some woman and then you drop your hands and you accidentally hit her butt. 
assault, right? And it, it's just to give women more power and reduce the and reduce the um, the requirements for rational proof, right? To lower the burden of proof. And um, this is one of these things because it's almost fem- almost always female to male. These accusations, they don't really care if the burden of proof is low, because the burden of proof and the allegation is never going to be used against them because they're women, right? And so. It is one of these terrible things that, uh, you know, white knighting and (laughs) two things, white knighting, pathological altruism will be the end of us unless we find a way to reverse it. All right. Super chat, radical reviewer. I reviewed your anarchism videos. Did you see slash like? Oh, I haven't. No, but please uh, send the link in and I will have a look. Super chat. The drink companies encourage the parties at frat parties. I recall a tequila night. There were cases and cases of tequila alternated by the companies. There were sombreros and panchos. We drank the whole weekend, and that was back in 1972. I see this is the thing, too, like this punch bowl thing and so on. The punch bowl thing was never that big when I was around because people hoarded their alcohol. I mean, I guess in a rich community it's different, but I grew up poor, so if you had alcohol, you'd kind of hoard it and uh, so on, so... You didn't just take your alcohol, which was expensive. Like your, this is back when my first job, I was making two dollars and thirty-five cents or two dollars and forty cents an hour. Finally, got a job at a uh, uh, hardware store at two dollars and fifty cents an hour. Worked twenty hours a week, and whew, ka-ching, baby, that was like forty bucks. No, fifty bucks. Anyway, um, so that was it. Was expensive to buy alcohol, and you didn't just hand it around. So, all right. Super chat. The left continue to ask. Sorry. The left continue. I don't need my glasses, I promise. The left continue to sink to new lows, as in this Kavanaugh issue. And still, mom, Dems, and lefties stay their course. What do you believe it will take for the MSM Dems to finally say, that's enough? Well, some of them won't. Some of them are so dedicated to their worldview that they will literally murder people. I'm not kidding you. They will literally murder people to, to keep their way, for sure. Uh, his name was Seth Rich. So to finally say that's enough? Well, of course, there will be some who recoil, and the left's goal is that the process is rolling enough, rolling along enough to the point where even those who recoil are just going to get rolled over, like this big giant Indiana Jones bowl of leftism and collectivism and, and tyranny rolling down Western civilization, and people are like, whoa, stop, it gets, gets squished. So they hope to get enough momentum that to uh, even put a pause on it is to end up uh, messed Super chat from Calvin Johnson. No message, but thank you very much. Super chat from Luis Gomez. Thanks for everything you do. Stay safe. I will. You'll see that I'm still at the studio. <laughs> Stay safe. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, please let me know uh, in the chat um, what you... Okay, that I'm sort of new to the live stream format, so I'm still feeling my way like a rather saucy octopus but um let me know what like do you like the format it's good i mean i think the first show we got like 1.5 million here we're hovering around uh, high fives and six six uh, sorry 1.5 thousand now we're like 5.7 six thousand went a little over six for a while so that's good let me know what you want me to talk about um and uh, get a faster internet connection yeah well working on it all right um the senate should release the frank says the Senate should release the stats about how many accusations other nominees get. I bet all get several. Mm, I wonder. Super chat from Chris. What will the impact of this incident 
have on the Me Too, hashtag Me Too movement, especially in light of Kavanaugh's speech, which was objectively a moving experience. Well, let me tell you something, my friends. Ronan Farrow. Oh, oh dear. How quickly the vaguely noble fall from grace. Because Ronan Farrow, I think, did great work with Harvey Weinstein and so on. And boy, it must have been a shame how he outlasted his usefulness in some manner. But uh, Ronan Farrow did some really, really good work with that. But uh, then, I mean, this uh, this just terribly sourced, non-affirmed stuff, like even the New York Times passed, I think it was on what, the second accuser's story, and nobody could verify anything, and oh, it was just terrible, and he just went ahead with it, and it was just, I mean, just, I had some vague respect for Ronan Farrow, and he just <laughs> detonated that. Super chat, it's about the rewrite of the Constitution. Well, yes, yeah, see, Kavanaugh said, I love the Constitution, and the real target, like, they don't care about Kavanaugh. The real target is the First Amendment and the Second Amendment, right? So you can stop talking about things, and you can't have guns, and that way they can take over, right? So they're aiming at the First and Second Amendment. Kavanaugh is just, he's in the way, and he's got to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I thought about To Kill a Mockingbird uh, today. So Super Chat, in To Kill a Mockingbird, Tom Robinson strangely topical name, was accused of rape by a Democrat woman. Should she have been believed? Yes, well, of course, but that's when the left were trying to worm their way into power, like the hard left. And so, yes, To Kill a Mockingbird is uh, a very powerful uh, story. And boy, Gregory Peck was handsome and charismatic. But um, yeah, of course, things have changed now. Of course, things have changed now. Super chat. If we want to change the world, we must start at the beginning, which is birth and the mother-child bond, which is why it is important. Break the cycle. I agree. I agree. Super chat. Vale says, how does one reclaim their masculine fire after it is extinguished in childhood? Well, anger, my friend, <laughs> is your friend. It is the way to go. To get angry at um, those who have harmed you is the best way to rekindle your moral sense and your moral fire. All right. I think that's it for our Super Chat questions for the moment. Let me just uh, see what's going on here. I will uh, just uh, let me know in the chat uh, what you would like, the, the stuff you like from uh, these um, conversations and uh, so on, uh, and, and what is the um, stuff you'd like me to talk about in these kinds of stuff. Oh, Super Chat, one more. Did, didn't Tapper say Ford had no evidence and her witnesses didn't support her? Yeah, you know, Tapper didn't do some bad stuff, shockingly, in the last uh, uh, cycle. So, you know, there's, there's like, there are people who are sort of moderate left, and they kind of want the whole momentum to stop at the moderate left. But that's not what actually happens, right? Once you get these balls in motion, once you get this momentum going, you know, it's got to be stopped pretty verbally aggressively, or it's going to roll you over. So... Uh, you know, even Tapper probably is a bit alarmed at the more extremist left, but uh, they are going to find out just how committed the extremist left is going to be. I mean, they truly are demonic. All right, Super Chat, Stefan, am I the only one seeing sad parallels between this circus and Carrie's character testimony in The Majestic? I think you are because you're the only one who ever saw that movie. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't comment. Super Chat, this hearing takes it from... It's about politics, too. It's about power in the public eye. Do you think there is any way to prevent the culture war from going hot? It seems inevitable to me now. Well, the only way to prevent the culture war from going hot is for people to 
give up ideology and focus on reason and evidence. And the problem is the left has such ownership over the universities. The left has such ownership over the media. The left has such ownership over um, the, the mainstream media, the, 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 um, not, not just sort of movies and so on, but like the newspapers and, and websites and so on, that they have so powerfully erased the concept of objective truth that it's very, very hard for people to find their way back to reason now without a lot of prompting and a lot of pain. And I did make this tweet today, like, oh, yeah, all these postmodernists who were saying, well, we can't believe Blasey Ford because there's no such thing as objective truth. And, of course, they said nothing uh, of the kind because that's not their goal. That's not their gig. But um, I don't know. I'm going to keep fighting for reason and evidence, man. I'm going to keep fighting for reason and evidence until the time for arguments has passed. And uh, there are people who are constantly trying to convince me that that time has Already come and gone. I don't believe it is yet. All right. Super chat. Roe v. Wade is the keystone of this, it seems. Abortion is feminism's top victory. Well, see, here's the thing, right? So if you're a woman and you want a really good man, like a top-tier man, I don't mean like an alpha, like he's got abs and narcissism and and all that, but I mean like a really good guy, like Kavanaugh, right? He's a good-looking guy, but, you know, solid provider and, and a good guy good man. Well, you have to be a good woman, right? You have to, especially if you're going to be the kind of woman who raises his kids and runs his household, you have to be good at supporting him. You have to be honorable. You have to be strong. You have to be a good mother. You have to be a good cook. You have to be good at running a household. You have to be all of these things. And that's a lot of skills to bring to bear. And those skills take a long time to develop. And so what if instead of developing all those skills, you could just open your legs. Vagina access trumps everything else. So Roe v. Wade, by reducing the negative consequences of pregnancy, has made it easier for women to be thought-based life forms, for women to just open their legs and provide value that way, rather than being a good friend, a good companion, a good mother, a good homemaker, a good cook, a good whatever, right? So rather than learning a whole bunch of skills, you can just you know, crank the scissors open to reveal what God gave you to please men, and you suddenly have value. And Roe v. Wade, if that gets threatened, then it threatens the whole, I'm of value because I let men sleep with me, because it's going to raise the consequences of pregnancy significantly. And so that will be more of a return to pair bonding, to women bringing quality rather than sex to a relationship. And that's going to threaten a lot of women who have not developed those skills at all. Like women are kind of proudly anti-homemakers. I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to clean. I don't know how to run a household. (laughs) Isn't that special? All right. Let's see here. Uh, Vale says, of what worth is travel to finding one's authentic self? And what steps would you advise one to take to find that person when abroad? Yeah, I don't know. The idea that you can find yourself through travel, it's not bad for shaking you out of existing preconceptions, but it's not going to lead you any particular inner journey because when you travel the outer world, is so interesting and exciting and distracting, so to speak, that it can have you abandon your inner journey. Finding people when abroad, that's really a crapshoot, man, because the odds that you like each other enough to make significant changes to your life that quickly, that soon, and move half a world to be with each other, right? So it's very uh, uh, unlikely. 
Super Chat. I think Ronan Farrow needs to call in <laughs> to your show. I'd love to know what happened to his standards of journalism between um, between uh, Harvey Weinstein and his last article. I don't know. Not good. I don't know. I just assume, like I assume for most people in the public eye, I'm probably wrong about this. It's just my particular assumption. I just assume for most people in the public eye, they're compromised in some way. Someone has something on them. Like when they have this whole, if you're running a tech company, you've got to show up and talk to Congress and Google's like, no, why does Google get to go away with that? Because Google has the research history, right? You went to Emran, right? Whatever it is, right? So whatever kink they're up to has been stored somewhere on the Google search engine. So I just assume most people are compromised and most people, some someone has something on them and if they stick their head up too far, it's going to be deployed and they're going to be controlled by whoever, right? So that's just my particular um, my particular thought. So, I mean, that would be my guess. Super chat from GLS. Why wasn't one simple question asked of Mrs. Ford? Do you, did you ever attend any other parties in high school after the evening, after the event with Mr. Kavanaugh? If the answer was yes, it couldn't have been that traumatic. Well, yeah, but you see, that's in an objective, more objective universe, you might make that case. But then she might say something like, well, I did, because, you know, when you've gone through trauma, you end up uh, with, it's called a repetition compulsion. Like you, you want to repeat that trauma in an attempt to master it. And that's why I went to other parts, like whatever, right? Super chat. Can you get Jordan Peterson back on to talk about parenting techniques ver with various ages and child personalities? A very interesting question. I will mull it over. Super chat. I can't help but notice the timing of Cosby and this. I, yeah, could be. Could just be coincidence. Could be coincidence. Um, Super Chat, have you ever discussed the DTCC, Depository Trust Clearing Corporation? It's the actual parent corporation controlling all assets in the public trust system in the USA, Canada, and many other nations. No, because when I hear depository, I just think of Lee Harvey Oswald. So, uh, no, I haven't. But uh, if you've got more information about it, please send it in. All right. Last question or two before I... Uh, it's been almost 12 hours since this whole process began. <laughs> this morning is like 9.45. I'm like, ah, oh, this can't be more than a couple of hours. <laughs> Especially when uh, Christine Blasey Ford was having um, brain tiredness after 15 minutes. I'm like, yeah, this can't be that long. And then suddenly it's like, wow, this is going on for a while. And my daughter's like, this is really boring. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of get that. And, you know, I was explaining things to her in the break and all that. But it's like, wow, that is, uh, well, I wasn't explaining to her too much. He was accused of forcefully kissing a girl. Anyway, um, let's see here. I'm have a quick look at just in the chat, you know. Have a quick look in the chat before we pack it in for the evening. Thank you for this analysis, Stefan Molyneux. This was cathartic. Long day. Yes, it kind of was, but but exciting. Ah, one major mistake that was made is uh, he should have pointed out this can happen to everyone. Yeah, of course. I don't want my daughter growing up with this power. And I don't see my daughter is going to end up wanting to fall in love with and, and get married to a fine, upstanding young man. And I don't want that young man to have been destroyed by false accusations. I don't want my future son-in-law to have the shadow of his life being destroyed by false accusations. I don't want that shadow hanging over him. Uh, I'm going to have a grandson, I hope, uh, one day. I don't want him growing up in a world where false accusations can destroy his life. I don't want to live in that world. Nobody who's got any brains at all 
wants to live in that world. And the women who want this power, like, understand, right? This power is going to destroy you. This power is going to eat you up alive. Having this power and wielding this power, defending this power, come on. Christine Blasey Ford, she made an accusation. Everyone she relied on to support it denied it under oath. She ain't telling the truth. It's not what happened. And if you're supporting this, then that's just rank female in-group preference. It's sexist, it's bigoted, it's anti-male, it's horrible. It's prejudicial. It's shallow. It's terrible. And it's going to come back and bite you on your, I assume, fairly large feminist behind. So, all right. What do we have here for the last couple of questions? People, stop typing. <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, wait, is there a way to stop this crap? Ah, it's not crap. Sorry. That's the wrong way to put it. Is there a way? Wait, pop out chat. No, I'm frightened of doing that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Stefan, I'm a genius and ready for you to be my mentor. Very nice. Slow mode, please. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, Civil War will be more of a military coup. Oh, you mean like uh, Pinochet style? I wonder. I wonder. I love you, Stefan. Thank you very much. Please learn how to spell my name. See? It has been a stressful day. You know, this um, This has been a tough week, I'll tell you that, man. Holy crap. Um, it is... Uh, I, haven't, I haven't felt this way, like, sort of any tension. I'll feel this around uh, in 2019 with the Canadian elections, but I haven't felt like this since Brexit. Uh, and even that wasn't that big a deal for me, kind of a long way away, a long time ago, galaxy far, far away. But... For the 2016 election, which was make or break for America, and since, you know, we are the funky repressed hat that sits over America, it's kind of important up here in Canada, but it is, uh, it's been hard, man, it's been harsh, and today it was just like, don't screw it up, Kavanaugh, and he didn't. Sorry, I'm kind of hypnotized by my nose pimple here. All right, sex robot brothels coming soon. Yeah, I know, I see sex robots and artificial wombs and so on, and eh, we still need each other. Uh, Senator Graham today. Thoughts? Yeah. I mean, he got it, man. He's like, you guys, all you want is power. And by God, I hope you never get it. And uh, I agree with that. Comment on the electric universe. Please, have you looked into it? No, I'm sorry. I have not. I don't have anything useful. That nose pimple is beautiful. Yeah, I don't know what happened today. I don't usually get pimples, but ah, well, I love being in my 50s and still getting pimples. Hey, I'm bald, but I still have all the symptoms of adolescence. <laughs> Delightful. Ah... All right. I think that's going too fast for me. And I guess to the uh, 5,000 people or 6,000 people or more who showed up, thank you. Thank you so much. I also want to thank everyone who's dropping two bucks into the uh, super chat. Because <laughs> you're just waiting for me to make that comment, aren't you? But thanks, everyone, so much. Have yourselves a wonderful evening. Uh, it has been great to decompress from today with you. I really, really uh, appreciate that. I was going to do it anyway, and it's great to be able to vent with you guys. Great questions, as always. Thank you so much for your support. You can, of course, check out uh, freedomainradio.com. We are here on YouTube, of course, youtube.com forward slash freedomainradio. Click on your like, click on your subscribe, click on your notification bells, and there is a 50-50 chance. You will, in fact, be notified when I post a new video. If you want to check out the podcast, FDR URL, sorry, uh, fdrpodcasts.com. If you want to pick up a copy of my book, wait. Let's see if we have bandwidth to show this. The Art of the Argument. Um, 
Western Civilization's Last Stand. You can get that at theartoftheargument.com. The new book, Essential Philosophy, will be out shortly and will be free, or at least as free as I can make it, given that nothing is free. Freedomainradio.com slash donate. Follow me on Twitter at Stefan Molyneux. And if you've got some shopping to do, fdrurl.com slash Amazon. Costs you nothing. Helps us out a little bit. Thank you, my darlings, for a wonderful evening. I feel better. I hope you do too. And uh, we will talk to you soon.